Welcome everybody, Filibuster Freestyle, your buddy Gavin, January 29th, 2022, almost said 2021. But don't worry, we don't get the years right anymore, it's just how it goes, and it's still January, so technically you're allowed to get the year wrong for a little bit in January, I just use a lot of it in January. Place is listening, let's just get right to it. By the way, Andy Maslin's going to join us live from what, whether it's sunny or not, he's going to join us from Sarasota, Florida, and I guarantee his weather's better than mine is, because we got two feet of snow here in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. But, Place is listening, France, number one stunner as always, followed by the United States, Spain, Germany, Canada, Ukraine, Paraguay, Japan, United Kingdom, and Brazil, to name several of the top 10 places listening. Um, we're going to talk some tennis, Rafael Nadal, in, the, in about, let's see, eight hours from now, eight and a half hours from now, he's about to go for the 21st Grand Slam championship of his career. It would give him the most ever. He's going to try to do it against Daniil Medvedev, who back in the summer faced the off against Novak Djokovic when Djokovic was going for his attempt at winning 21 Grand Slam championships. So Medvedev is looking to become a guy who has not turned away one, but now two men's tennis players seeking a record-breaking 21st men's Grand Slam championship in the open era. And again, so either he becomes a guy who's done it to both Djokovic and Rafa Nadal, or Nadal wins his 21st Grand Slam. So we'll talk to Andy about that and some ways to fix tennis. Plus, as I record this intro, before the theme song, reports of Tom Brady's retirement and then a retraction of said retirement have both happened this afternoon. So we might get into that as well, though we don't want to put anything on record because even Adam Schefter is having trouble breaking that news right now. Here comes the theme song. Filibuster Freestyle. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Filibuster, filibuster, freestyle, filibuster, filibuster, Live from a non-snowy Sarasota, Florida, it's our buddy, the living legend, Andy Maslin. Welcome to the show, sir. Happy to be here. I love the energy burst right there. Absolutely love it. Freaking ready to go. Freaking ready to go on this stuff today. Tell you what, nobody does tennis like the filibuster freestyle, and that is thanks to you, sir. Uh, we might, if we have time at the end, talk a little bit about the previously reported sticking to their guns, Tom Brady retirement, but also there's conflicting reports, and we'll get to that. I don't want to get to that yet. I want to tease it, but it's not okay. a tease. I'm telling you all we're teasing it. What do you got here? I like it. I like it. I, 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 I like that. No one does a tease like my man Gav Money. Right, exactly. And I appreciate that. Whether it's true or not, it's unique. But anyway, let's give props, number one, to the American, Danielle Collins. Tip of the cap, second place, Aussie Open finalist. This player was 23 in the world a few years back. Needed to get a cyst the size of a tennis ball removed from her ovaries. Was out of tennis recovering for several years. Ranking dropped. Came back in 21. Won two minor WTA titles, which is great. And then she made it all the way to the final before losing to Ash Barty, who is now a three-time major winner. 
So number one, tip of the cap to the American, who's, by the way, from St. Petersburg, Florida. Your girl, not, your neighbor, Daniel Collins. What not, do you think about not that? Not too far from where I'm sitting. Um, I, 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 I do sense a conspiracy theory. Hmm. Um, is it just irony? Is it bad luck? Or is it just a story? Do we think it was the size of a tennis ball? Yeah, good point. So I think if she was... If she played a different sport, would it have been the size of something else? Probably. But let's say it was close enough to a tennis ball to make the, you know, everybody who follows the sport knows how big a tennis ball is. It sounds like it was a pretty big and serious cyst regardless. Yeah. But I agree that maybe it's not literal. Also, I am an expert on tennis and lawn and country club sports. Not an expert on ovaries. Correct. Or cysts, I would imagine. No, no. But yeah, whether it was the actual size of a tennis ball or just close enough, good for her to go from career completely derailed for health reasons back to making a huge run all the way to the final. And again, against a woman who now first Australian women to win the Australian Open since 1978. She's won three different majors on three different surfaces. French Open, obviously. Wimbledon, obviously. Now Australia. And she's basically... You know, one on every surface, and she's one U.S. Open away from a career slam. So not a physically imposing player, but her skill seems to be a notch above everybody else. Kind of reminiscent of, like, prime Federer, where not the biggest serve, not the biggest return, not the biggest whatever, but, like, the most complete game right now on the women's tour. I don't know what you think about that, but that's where I'm standing on. Uh, yeah, very, very solid player. Only 25 years old, so so in, in today's tennis, she's still kind of young. I mean, actually, that, that's one of the things that strikes me now. Um, years ago, I felt like tennis had really turned into a young man's yes. game, and a young person's game. Um, and, and, and it, it was a young person's game when we were growing up, and then just with this group on the men and the women's side, they stayed so good for so long. There's almost a whole like generation in between that never got to win anything. Right. Um, and now with Ash Barty, like I said, 25 years old, three-time winner, um, solid game overall. I like it. Um, not like it, it's kind of weird though. Like I'm going to sit here and probably tell you I don't look at her, you know, as possible being one of the best because I'm kind of just so used to the, you know, the Williams sisters dominating and sure. super athletes dominating. You know, it's it's like John Stockton in the NBA. It's like how is this guy doing it? Like. She just does it. She just wins. Right. Her um, skill set's right there. And, like, very solid player. And solid solid fitness, solid skills, solid composure. And, like, just finds a way. Yeah. Um, so, so I like it. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to save this for later. This might be me being ugly, an ugly American. I don't consider I, I, The Australian Open has no business being, being, being part of the Grand Slam. Got it. Do you have one that you would insert? Ready made. Um, no, but there, there's something I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have one. Maybe we, we can just, always come back to that. I mean, here's the thing. I agree. Come back. Maybe, but, but just the timing of it being in Australia. Yeah, it's a world game. But like, I don't know, man. I, it, it's, it's. Be- it's between Europe and Europe and North America for the most part uh, in, in tennis. It'd be, it'd be like playing a Ryder Cup in Australia. It just doesn't make sense to me. Understandable. It's a good take. It's a hot take, you know. But 
I think one of our podcasts in the future can be, well, what, what slam would you replace it with? You know what I mean? You know what would be interesting, too? And I think we have talked about this before. We definitely have. I'm not sure if we've ever put it on wax, but... Wouldn't it be cool if there was a fourth surface, right? Like, so, yeah. you know, you've got, I, I you've think, got think, hard courts and clay courts and grass courts. It's almost like, let's, can we get a fourth surface? Yeah, I think that's what it is because it's definitely the the lesser of the two hard courts. Um, of, of the two hard courts. Correct. How about this? How about this? How about we make it, we make it fair? How about you and I? Start a tournament that we're going to pitch as the fourth major. We'll play it in South America, so we're another continent. But we, you draw before the match to see what surface you play on. If you're playing on hard, hard court clay or grass. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. I think there's definitely some merit to like, can we find a fourth surface to make it a fourth slam? That'd be something, you know. Because ironically, the U.S. Open used to be on grass as well as Wimbledon. And at some point, I think in the 70s or 80s, they changed it when they moved it from, I forget where it was, in, in Queens to Flushing Meadow. So anyway, good yeah. podcast. Have you, have, time. You been to, have you been to a U.S. Open tennis mat, tennis tournament? I never have, which is wild because I used to work in Queens. But no, I've not. And I, I, I'd, I'd like to go, like, like probably a weekend where there's some buzz, you know, like semi quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. But I think it would be a good take. 100%. I would think we should aspire to do that at some point, And I mean that. We, okay. all, we also should go to that Miami Open at some point, but that's another... Yeah, I mean, you could argue the Miami Open as a fourth major. You could. You could. Timing-wise, you know that it's it's in, a couple, it's in March. It's closer to when Roland Garros starts and then when Wimbledon starts. So, to your point, and I get it, Australia's summer is our winter and vice versa, so it makes sense for them. And I just think if they came up with a fourth surface, they'd be a no-brainer. So, whatever we do, get a fourth surface. Do you have any ideas for a fourth surface? I also don't. Ice. <laughs> but that's because selfishly, I, you know, I've been dealing with snow all day. But, you know, ice would be nice. Yeah. Can we play some okay. ice tennis? But anyway. Um, all right. Speaking of 25-year-olds, like Ash Barty, Daniil Medvedev, the six foot six Russian wonder, number two in the world. He is the U.S. Open champ. He was the runner-up at the U.S. Open in 2019, as well as winning it in 21. He was the 21 Australian Open <coughs> runner-up. He's guaranteed himself being at least that in 22. He's an elite hardcore player. He has made the quarters in France and the fourth round in Wimbledon. So the hardcore is thus far where he's made his money. He's 1-3 versus Rafa Nadal all time. But the one win was their most recent match, which I think is important because he's 25. And Nadal is, I believe, 36. Okay, but... This is a guy who beat Novak Djokovic in the U.S. Open last summer when Joker was going for his record 21st major title for the men. And he's got a chance to win his second grand title and thwart Nadal from also going for number 21. Hell of a storyline, even if he's not playing Nadal. How do you like the chances of Demil Mavadet to win tonight at 3.30 in the morning in Australia? Um, I think he does win tonight. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the favorite, I, I would think, imagine. I think he's a good enough player. Um, I just, uh, it's on the hard court. He's very, very good on the hard court. And I just don't, I, I just don't see, it, you know, a dominant men's player right now. I don't think he's going to be a dominant men's player. Um, I think he's, gonna, once again, going to be very good, win a few more. I think on the hard court, with everything going on right now, I think that um, that, that he gets the win tonight. I mean, I think it points that way, to your point, because it is the hard court. He's been in big matches. He seems to be 
you know, of the typical lost generation of guys who would make their bones in the early 20s, you're right. Like, he's pretty much had to fight his way through this prolonged period of excellence, especially from Djokovic, but also from Nadal, and until recently, Federer, about two, three years ago. Yeah. But here he is, 25 years old, and he's on the ascendancy, and he's a hardcore guy. He's lanky. He's 6'6". He's a problem. He's a problem. Yep. And, and and here's the thing: playing Nadal, Nadal is like you know who knows. Nadal might be a little little put of Eddie Harris and put some snot on the ball tonight. He's a crafty veteran, so crafty. You, you can never count him out. But but Medvedev, like, is one of those guys. I I could see him having a nice career, but like I I don't see him being dominant. But tonight, I think he gets in Nadal. I think Nadal is, is yeah, once again, if this was on clay, I'm taking Nadal. But Nadal winning on a hard court right now with his age and being limited since all these injuries have, I think Medvedev takes it tonight. I, I agree with you on paper. I think, you know, what's interesting about Medvedev's arrival is I think we've talked about this before too. When Nadal and Joker stop winning majors, it's not going to be because of each other. It's going to be a combination of a younger player rising and father time taking away skills and or health. And again, Federer's skills are still there, but his health is no longer able to hold up for a, a two-week tournament anymore. And, I, you know, Nadal and, and eventually Djokovic are going to get there too. Nadal's already flirted with injuries throughout his career. But I will say, on the flip side, this is his 29th Grand Slam Finals. I told you last night, he's 20-8 in the previous 28. Joker and Roger... Both have been in 33 Grand Slam Finals, both 20 and 11. Um, and the only guys to ever beat Rafa in Grand Slam Finals as of tonight, Joker and Roger many times each and vice versa, but then one time from Stan the Man Vervinka. And so, you know, here's a guy who beat Medvedev in 2019 in the final on the hard court, but obviously, to your point, Medvedev has improved since 2019 exponentially. And Rafa's two and a half years older. So... When Rafa's healthy, he's tough to beat, and he seems pretty healthy. But And also, when Roger was Rafa's age, he had that last three-title burst to get from 17 to 20. But again, I think Rafa's going to need some luck and a perfect match and perfect health to win. I agree with you. Yeah, I I, I agree. And, and, and he, he, I mean, if anyone can do it, you know, I'll, I will never count out any of the, the big three. Although never. I think I'm, I, I, I think I will tell you, I don't think Fed was ever going to win another one. Overall, I agree with that. It's, it's Australia. The time kills people. The time difference kills people to, you know, see it. Maybe they catch it when they're getting up for like work in the morning. Obviously not on a Sunday. Maybe guys up north are catching it after shoveling. <laughs> um, with COVID, kind of looming over everything still you know Australia is probably the tightest in the world when it comes to COVID uh, with what happened with Joker going in there's there's just not a lot of lot of uh, lot of oomph behind this tournament for me this year it's fair it's the hardest one to watch but again a guy's going for history tonight and again I'll probably catch you to the end of it if it's a long night or I'll catch the replay but it's what's also interesting and you mentioned the man, Novak Djokovic is his own worst enemy. He got himself DQ'd in 2020 at a tournament won by Dominic Team. He got himself DQ'd for throating a coach, sorry, a, a judge, 
a judge with a tennis ball out of frustration. And then he got himself deported from Australia. He could literally already be going for like his 23rd major if, you know, if he could yeah, keep his crap together. And it's one of those things like I, I'm not going to get into the whole like COVID argument. You know, it's just an unwinnable argument. People think what they think. I'm not, I believe that it's serious and that people should be vaccinated and all this, but I'm not very smart, so I'm not going to really argue it. Um, but not only did he not get vaccinated, but the way he handled everything around it is more of what got him. Yes, it was the smugness, the it was the entitlement, it was the defiance. You know, and there were there were multiple lies along the way. Oh well, yeah, I was in another country, but I didn't fill it out. Bad lies, Andy. Bad lies. Yeah. Like you and I, you know, we've been around, right? We've we've all made mistakes in life. We all were twenty in our twenties once. We all have had to like come up with a, a come up with an explanation for something that's unexplainable. You know, and we weren't trying to fool the media and the entire tennis sporting world. And our stories, regardless, were tighter than this, right? Like. I can remember a St. Patrick's Day week when the big cat may or may not have gotten pulled over by a state trooper, and we found our way back safely to, to where we had to go. got the car back. Yes. And the point is, and we, I don't even know that we lied, but the thing is when you're in a precarious situation, you got to lock it up. And he and his team did not lock it up and then were caught blatantly lying on top of just not doing something that the nation told you Yo, you should do this for months. So I definitely don't feel bad for the guy. And that's that's the thing, you know, he, he world-class athlete, plenty of money. If he had a team working on this the way that he should have, it not it would have not been a problem, would have not been an, an, an issue. And yes. it wouldn't have become, it wouldn't even become a story. But instead he was an idiot about it, his team was an idiot about it. Almost like he really didn't want to play in it. Kinda, right? Kinda. I like that. So let me ask you this. If Rafa were to win tonight, I think he's got two more French Opens in him. Okay? But tonight's a big if. And two more French Opens is a big if. He's got at least one more in him, I think. I say at least one more friend. He's the type of guy. One more French Open in one, and I could see him winning one in another, like, two to three years out of nowhere. But that would be the roll of the dice. Okay. But if he were to win tonight and those two more, he gets to 23. Does Joker end up a 24 plus? Um, a year ago, I would have said yes. Me too. Now he's missed out on two. Correct. And no matter how good you are, winning a Grand Slam event is not easy. The Correct. older you are, the harder the it harder gets. The harder it gets, so yeah. He's kicked one, kicked one away, completely kissed one away with the, um, the, the balls of the throat. And I'm not saying he would have got this one, but it was certainly an opportunity for him up to for win him, one without top competition and, and big rivals. You yep. know, yep. I, get, well, I guess Rafa's there, but, but you're going to take, you're going to bet on Joker a hundred times at a hundred on, on hardcore. On a hardcore in Australia? Absolutely. Um, so you've, you've kissed him away. So, so say we thought he was going to get the 25, 26. Now we're looking at 23, maybe 24. Right. I think 24 is now a stretch, and it wouldn't have been a stretch if he didn't do what he's done. Yeah. And that's my yeah. point. It's like you were looking at 23 guaranteed, 24 probably, 
maybe 25 plus, which gets you above Margaret Court territory, gets you above Serena territory. So now it's not even like, is he the goat of like men? It's like most majors out of anybody, any era, anywhere, any place, any time. And he basically gave one and a half of them away, if not two. Yeah, it, it, and here's the thing. Medvedev wins another one on, on the hard court tonight. All of a sudden, you know, maybe we start thinking of him as a true rival for Joker. Oh, agreed. On the hard court. Especially on the hard court, exactly. And the thing is, yeah, Joker's going to win at Wimbledon probably. But the thing about the grass is sometimes those big hitter guys get hot. You know, like a, the Riley Opelkas, the uh, Kevin Andersons, the John Isners. Because the bounce and the return game on the grass is a lot different than on the hard court. I'm just saying, there's a lot of ways yeah, to lose. And, and, and with, with the age, I agree with you that he'll win at Wimbledon. But three years ago, it was a lock. Correct. You know? Correct. And now it's like, okay, he should win it. He's right. the best. But, but the, 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 the gap, the talent gap is closed. It's closed. Well, because all these guys have been watching him and Rafa and Roger play for their entire lives. So everybody's game is bigger now. Everybody's game is bigger. So, yeah, I think I think I think he ends up getting to twenty two. But I think there's a there's a slight path that Rafa also gets to twenty two or three. And I do yeah, agree, I, Rogers I, 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 Rogers I, I, done. But Rogers forty years old. It makes sense. Yeah, if I had to, if I if I was a betting man, I would I would say that Joker probably still gets to twenty four. But like I said, a couple of years ago, I would have said he was getting to 26. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. I think you're right. Okay, let's switch, let's switch gears a little bit to doubles tennis and hear me out on this. Why don't older players focus on doubles and helping not only build the doubles game up, but it's basically like the senior PGA Tour, but you're actually still competing at the highest level in a, you know, a cousin sport. So, for instance, you got all these pedestrian singles players who toil in anonymity playing doubles to make their livings, right? And then, but I think the right stars could focus on doubles in their late 30s and their early 40s, grow the sport, grow revenue. Hell, Nick Kyrgios, who is basically the Dennis Rodman of tennis, but not... A complete, total madman. But like, he won today, and I know about it and care about it, because he was a good enough, though erratic, singles player. Right, that like I know who won the Australian doubles open. Imagine if like Federer and Serena just played mixed doubles at all the majors for three years. We would all effing watch that. And so, see, I, I think we would watch it the first time. Yeah, and then it would be a little bit of a circus. Couple, couple things. One, we would watch it the first time, or we watch it if if um, say Fez would just say something crazy, like Federer and Serena ended up playing the doll in Venus in a finals. Wait, what is that again? Tell me the matchup. Federer and, like, say Federer and Venus versus Nadal and... um, Serena. And the other Williams sister. Amazing. But I think it would be more of a sideshow than anything. But a couple things on it. One, it is kind of like the senior PGA Tour. There are guys who are still winning and competing on the PGA who refuse to play the senior PGA Tour because it's just not what they do. Even though it's the same sport, it's the same thing, it's different. It's a second level. These guys have gotten to be great by being great at what they do. And they don't want, they want to be the best at everything. And playing mixed doubles or playing doubles to them is not being the best at tennis. Two, tennis is traditionally a single sport. 
there's a mentality that goes to playing a sport by yourself and not having a teammate. The minute you have a teammate, I think it changes the dynamic a little bit. And I don't think these guys like it all that much. Right. I totally hear that. But I guess what's kind of wild for me is, let's like look at the NBA, for instance. You get all these guys who are superstars in their own right, who then team up to become like this bigger thing. And in their case, it's a team sport. And they got to win. And I understand that in basketball, you have to be on a team regardless. So you might as well have the best teammates possible. But again, if I'm going to get hurt every time I try to play Wimbledon, if I'm Roger Federer, why not just play doubles and save my body and make some money anyway? You know, because really they make their money on their endorsements at this point if they're that big. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't think money plays into the occasion. These guys have more money than anything they could ever want. It's not a money thing that drives them at this point. Um, That's fair. I just do think, to your point about the sideshow at least, but instead of the the exhibition match with like Johnny Mac and Matt, you know in Madison Square Garden that no one cares about, it would be cool to see the Williams sisters split up with Rafa and Roger playing for the Wimbledon mixed doubles title. Like even if it only happened once, to your point, that'd be pretty sweet to be a real title instead of some made-for-TV exhibition. Yeah, no, I no, I I, I complain. It, it would be cool, but I it, it actually I think I don't think true tennis fans would like it. Like I said, I think we would like it a little bit. I don't think true te- the tennis fans would like it, but it, it may draw in some um, casual some, fans. Some, some fringe casual fans. Well, it isn't, isn't again if you're trying to grow the sport, and I know they don't really care if they do or they don't because they've already got what they needed out of it, but. Getting people who don't care about tennis to watch doubles tennis is is in itself a giant feat, you know. Yeah, but that's you know neither yeah. here nor there. And the other the thing already, a lot of these guys that are good that you'll see guys or women that that play the doubles tennis, you'll see there's a lot more laughing and joking in it sometimes than the real kind of has to be. Tennis. I mean, listen, it's there's a reason that like dudes our parents' age still play doubles tennis and not singles tennis, right? Like. I get it. It's a different sport. But, I mean, if Wimbledon's going to give out crowns anyway, why not go get one? But I hear you. Yep. I hear you. But and I, I'm going to spit on you here. Um, have you played pickleball at all? Yeah, a little bit. So pickleball is taking the world by, by storm. Uh-huh. And there was just someone who started a pro pickleball league. I think you're going to start to see some former pro athletes like fringe start players, yeah. playing pickleball at events, places, and they're going to get some 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 run with it. First of all, I think you're not wrong. I think you're right. Number two, really quickly, should pickleball be the fourth surface for the majors? <laughs> it's not really a surface, but yeah. Yep, that's it though. They just for the fourth one in Australia, we just play pickleball. <laughs> And it's funny, since I've been talking to you, I'm trying to think, like, you said ice, and then I'm like, oh, maybe we can play on sand. What about lava? <laughs> lava? What about, like, hoverboards? Now. You know, so many things. We're going to figure it out before this, before 22 is over. All right, listen, Tom Brady's retiring, and he probably is, but then he didn't get to say it yet, so he got scooped, and he's mad about it, or whatever he is. He's definitely going to retire. What's the? You're in Tampa Bay. What's going on? Um, he's going to retire. I think it is. I, with a lot of the stuff I'm hearing and Brady will never say it, but I think Brady is learning as much as he wanted to be away from Belichick. I think he sees that the, the, the circus that is 
the Arians' way of coaching is not sustainable. Yes. Instead of getting better, better every year, that team's going to get worse every year. Correct. Um, I do see some people very sad about it, and I'm sad about it. I like watching Brady play, but to me, the sadness was when he left the Patriots. Right. The, the amount of people who were like, "Oh, New England's getting snow," and Brady retired. You guys realize he played for the Buccaneers for two years, right? Like we yeah, already like, had like, to make our peace with that on St. Patrick's Day, 2020. Yeah, I'm actually, like, more happy that he was only two years, like, one Super Bowl. You know, if he had won two or three in Tampa at the end of his career. Right. That is an argument. That really changes, like, his Patriot legacy a little bit, you know? Yeah, and number number one is one of the reasons I think he's leaving Tampa, and you already hit on it, but even if it wasn't Arians as coaches, that team was built to win now last year and this year if they stayed healthy, and they didn't. And it's hard in the NFL to stay healthy two years in a row. But the Patriots were not built to win in the year Brady left or the year after. And they were built to kind of start coming back this year. So he went and made his career more competitive for two years because the Patriots weren't set up cap-wise because the NFL is just, that's how it's set up. And to your point, he only got two good years in Tampa, but he got two good years in Tampa. Legacy is absolutely intact. But yeah, New England fans made their peace with this two years ago when he already left. We went through the cam thing. They got McCorkle Jones. They're feeling good about McCorkle Jones. As good as you can feel when he's not Jared Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, Tom Brady's going to retire. Jared Allen is a defensive end that retired. Did I say it again? Did I do it again? Oh, yeah. Jared Allen, Steve Tannehill, all the wrong names, baby. Woo! (laughs) Guy, I don't know if you heard it, but I, I literally corrected myself on Josh Allen and somebody else. Justin Herbert, and then I still called Brian Tannehill, Steve Tannehill, 1990s quarterback of the South Carolina Gamecocks. What a okay. loser. I, I, the Steve Tannehill, and, and I was young. That must have been early 90s. It was early like, 90s. It's seared into my head. And by the way, what a loser. I mean, me, not you, Steve Tannehill. You're yeah, cool. I'm pretty sure Steve Tannehill might be a loser. But I remember he had this blonde mullet. Yes. And I remember they had like, like a sweet mullet. The coach that year. Sweet mullet. Wait, who was the coach? Mullet, but like they like they got their coach fired and like wouldn't go to practice if he came back and and like had all this story and I think they and it was just a crazy story and I still I still think they went like five and five that yeah year. they were they were absolutely average at best but like for South Carolina in ninety two that was a really good season yeah anyway that is seared into my head and for the last ten days I cannot get Ryan Tannehill's name right which people yeah. think is me trying to throw shade at him. Like when Jim Rome called Jim Everett Chris Everett. I'm yeah. not trying to get into a fist fight with Ryan Tannehill, but Steve Tannehill stuck in my head. Jared Allen stuck in my head. Josh I, I, Allen, I would, unbelievable quarterback, regardless. But thank you for calling me out because it needed to be addressed. Yeah, Ryan, don't call me Steve Tannehill. I'm going to pull a Denny Green and say he is who I thought he was. And we let him off the hook. <laughs> But yeah, I I I, I'm, I don't I think I, I could I could see Brady pulling a Brett Favre and ending up on a team next year. Do a little see. Let me throw let me throw a couple weird ones out at you. Actually, and I have no notes on this. But his boy Josh McDaniel going to the Raiders. Maybe I know Carr's a good solid quarterback who's made the playoffs twice in like seven years. Would Brady do a tour of duty there? Maybe. Uh, a place like like the Bears, like the Vikings, maybe the Packers if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver. I think NFC, Brady might go somewhere. 
Brian Dable, his old offensive coordinator, going to the New York Giants for a year. I got four four text messages today congratulating me on um, the head coaching job. Oh, because you kind of look like him. I'm going to send you a current picture of me. Guys, by the way, Andy Malzahn does kind of look like new Giants head coach Brian Dable. Uh, I got to put the hood up because all the pictures he has the hood on. I'll send it and I want to see your immediate reaction. All right, send it my way. This is real live stuff right now, folks. Real live stuff. Riveting for all the fans. Listen, we've done a lot worse in this podcast. And we've done a lot better. It's, it's the truth. And we're vamping. We're, Andy, while we're waiting for it, it just came in. Oh, yeah, you look just like him. Yeah. <laughs> you look just like him. Andy Madlin is a new coach of the New York Giants, and Tom Brady is going to play one season there with his old OC. Yeah, yeah I could see Brady even pulling a Jay Cutler um, where he doesn't sign with anybody and then a top flight quarterback. Oh, gets someone hurt. gets hurt and he comes in to rescue you. Yep. See, that's your best take of the night. Because why go through all the beat? Because here's the thing. Number one, I know he's going to spend time with his family and not be ridiculously regimented the way he's been. But he'll still stay in shape. It's a way of life right now for him. And TB12 is a way of life for him. He's not going to let himself go yet. I think it will be an NFC team probably because the AFC is so stacked with my man Josh Allen, my man Ryan Tannehill, but really my man Pat Mahomes. But listen, if, if, if there's something that goes down, especially in the NFC, especially with like a Belichick acolyte or somebody that he knows, totally agree. Maybe Brady comes back for like eight games Plus the playoffs. Great take by Andy Maslin. That's why he's the legend. I, I do my best. You do your best, and you look like Brian Dable, and that's not a bad thing. All right, Andy Maslin, let's get you out of here on that. Great job as always. Uh, anything to plug? <laughs> um, I'll be in Nashville, uh, not next week, but the week after. If anyone has any good recommendations, let me know. All right, we're going to work on that. Crack Research Team went there for my bachelor party once. You were invited. Couldn't make it. And then COVID started. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, I'll be staying at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. Sounds lovely. Well, Peg Leg Porker was an excellent place to get some uh, some some pork, obviously, some wings, and some eggs. brewskis. All right, that's it. Unofficial sponsor of the week, Peg Leg Porker out of Nashville, Tennessee. Andy Mazin, thanks for being on, buddy. Rocking in the free world. Love it. Talk to you soon, buddy.